0: Welcome to the Surrender Podcast. Surrender is a collective of Christian groups and organisations from across Australia. We work in unity to share Jesus' call to seek his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. We create spaces for the sharing of stories that motivate, support, and equip people to love their neighbour, share good news, and live justly, both locally and globally. Please note, Surrender provides spaces for conversation and storytelling and does not necessarily endorse the personal views of any one presenter. This is Jeff and Sherry Maddox's Bible study entitled Embodying Skin, Soil and Table. Jeff and Sherry live and work in the inner city of Melbourne with Urban Seed, arriving there in late 2016. Between 1999 and 2016, Jeff and Sherry and their son Isaac lived in the inner city of Lexington, Kentucky as missionaries with a focus on neighbourhood outreach and service. This is part one of their Bible study where they explore how Wendell Berry's wisdom meets the timeless insights of scripture and how we can inhabit our personhood, our shared humanity and our place with a sense of profound connection.
1: over this time, um, a couple of overarching themes that really um, influenced our thinking about this Bible study. Well, first of all, it's Wendell Berry, because we're from Kentucky. We've been really diligent students of Wendell Berry for years, and Wendell Berry has helped us understand the world better, and understand God better, and even understand Scripture better. Uh, And so Wendell... Barry and his work and his life are woven through our reflections. Um, But more than anything, we want to say that God is making all things new and we are invited in on this journey. So this journey is one that includes our inner life and what we would say about our personhood is that it's what it means to be fully human, uh, not fully divine, as often churches convince us we need to be. Um, It includes our kitchen table and the place around us. Um, God's God's work of uh, redemption and reconciliation and restoration, we would say, um, happens in all these dimensions at once and one cannot happen with the other. So we would say God is at work in us, in our inner life, the same time at work in relationships that we belong to and at work um, in redemption and reconciliation in the world. Those things are just happening all the time Um, It's not like we get it right within ourselves and then we join the work of restoration. Um, And we would say for sure, and we've spent more than a decade thinking about it, that we cannot experience our humanity divorced from the place around us. So that's what we think of when we say to be embodied. And the second thing over these three days of our thinking um, that we would most want to convey is to reclaim the truth of our meta-narrative. So the whole story of Scripture is that it begins with goodness. It does not begin with original sin, original good. And through God's work of transformation in the world, in us and in, in, in the world around us, it ends in goodness. It ends in a garden city. It doesn't end in flames, it ends in goodness. And God's full repair of the world. So God is making all things new, and that's stated in Revelation. So that's at the end of our story. So we already know the end of the story. Um, So if it all begins and ends with goodness, then our work, our inner work, and our outer work will always involve goodness and beauty and truth. Curiosity and creativity are are universal truths that we hold to. And so that everything God does in us and that we join with God in the world to do is characterized by goodness. And so we claim that and we want to convey that. Um, So our lives and where we live should all somehow reflect flourishing to the world. Um, So this morning, the first thing I want us to do together, because it's been a very important and personal part of my journey um, to wholeness, my own inner journey um, and the work of belonging to myself, Um, is discovering my breath. And that seems silly because we can't be alive without our breath, but I think we spend most of our days not paying attention to the fact that we're breathing. We start our days, we're halfway through our days, or we're halfway through our lifetime, and we've not acknowledged that we breathe. Um, And as the people of God, our breath comes from God. Um, And it is a gift. And so what we're gonna do at this point, and however you can be comfortable, whether that's your feet on the ground, Um, Sitting straight up, closing your eyes, I want us to breathe together. So, what we're going to do for the time that it takes Jeff to read uh, Genesis chapter 1 through to um, chapter 2, verse 7, which is what we're meditating on today, I want us to breathe. And what I mean by that, because your thoughts are rapid, and especially if you've had coffee or you're thinking of other things, I want you to, to come back to your breath. Closing your eyes, however you find um, peace within. And and what I have learned to do in in, in just breathing and, and giving thanks for breath is to, to focus on the actual physical movement of, of the air into your nose, into your body, and then back out your nose. And, and some um, instructors in meditation say you just focus on the rim of your nose and feeling air coming in and air going out. If you've never done this, forgive me if it sounds crazy. <laughs> It's really, it's really the most primitive or most primal thing to being human is to come back to our breath, and our breath is a gift, and God inspires us and in all of creation every day with breath. So we're going to begin with breath as we listen to Genesis, uh, chapter 1 and part of um, chapter 2.
2: of how the world was made. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the water's swarmed and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath, Of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that He made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant in the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not yet caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then, on that day, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being.
1: Our story starts with good and ends with good. And God is making all things new. And in between our origin and our ultimate redemption is the journey of God's transformative work in each of us and in the world. So thanks to Western thought and culture, um, we've been served up dualism, and it permeates all of life and frames the way we see the world. And I would argue that we don't even realize um, how much we see the world in dualistic terms. And it's almost impossible to see all aspects of life, including ourselves, Um, without seeing these distinct compartments. Um, And and I think thanks to hundreds of years of problematic interpretation of both Genesis and the rest of the story, we've been told and we've imagined that these bodies need to go and our soul will somehow be resurrected. And that we are separate and there's some space in us that Jesus finds, but it's only a small space um, to come and abide. Um, But if we remember Genesis 2, 7, which we just read, we don't find dualism. We don't find any separation. We do not find human equal body plus soul. We read that soul or living being equals dust plus breath. So in that telling, however you imagine it, dust or soil or clay or dirt was inspired by the breath of God and there was Adam, first human. So God didn't carve out a separate soul and then encase that with flesh but picked up the stuff that were made from breathed life and therein a living soul. You know, we we share about 98 or 99% of our DNA with trees. We are made of the stuff of the earth. Um, So Wendell Berry has inspired us deeply and in one of his essays, in one of his books, um, Sex, Economy, Community, Freedom, all of his books are good, the essay that that we've read for about a decade um, that taught us this most simply is his essay on um, Christianity and creation. And what was beautiful about Wendell Berry is he delivered it at the uh, Baptist Seminary, the Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville, um, from the pulpit. Um, And it's a scathing um, and profound essay, and I would encourage you to read it. But a few things I wanted to share from it, because this is where it most captured our imagination, and we fully began began to realize we aren't these separate compartments with a heart and a soul and a brain, um, but we are dust inspired by God's breath. Um, So in this essay, Winderberry writes that according to this verse, this is Genesis 2-7, God did not make a body and put a soul into it like you would put a letter into an envelope. He formed man of dust, then by breathing his breath into it, he made the dust live. He goes on to say, humanity is thus presented to us in Adam, not as a creature of two distinct parts, temporarily glued together, but as a single mystery. The breath of God is our fundamental bond with one another and with other creatures. We and all other creatures live by the sanctity that is inexpressibly intimate for every creature. The gift of life is a portion of the breath and the spirit of God. Every breath, every creature. So we are holy creatures living among other holy creatures in a world that is holy. So these all all come from from Wendell Berry's essay about uh, the survival of creation Um, and he says, in another place that there is no such thing as sacred and profane. There is only sacred and desecrated. Because if we're gonna hold to Genesis 1, not the bad news of original sin, but the good news of goodness, um, then God inspired creation and us with God's breath, and we are holy. So I would say central to our work, whatever it is all of us do, um, with our lives, with our time, and with our gifts. Central to that work is the work of belonging to yourself. And we often don't think of that and we shelve that as we get busy serving in the world. We often forget until usually we're burnt out or breaking down that part of our work is to, to, to grow into belonging to ourselves. Um, and that work is an inner reconciliation. So we know from Paul in 2 Corinthians that we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. And before that verse he says, new creation, exclamation mark. To enter into that ministry and to continue in that ministry of reconciliation, we have to experience the inner reconciliation of all those separate parts, the things that are separate, broken. Um, and, And that work that God does in us restores the separated or fractured parts to a whole. And we would say that defines what it means to be human. Again, soil plus breath of God. This kind of reconciliation is essential to the work that we will do in the world. Um, If any of you are students of Richard Rohr, you know, he bases his work on Jung and this understanding of moving from false self to true self over a lifetime, really. Um, This is the kind of thing we're talking about this morning, that journey, somewhere you're on that journey. to finding your true self um, and finding that inner reconciliation where you discover um, that God has made you as a beautiful creature to belong in this world. Um, so, I wanted to share a minute about my own experience, and this is very personal to me um, because I've been on the journey for a long time, but it took my reaching burnout and compassion fatigue um, and almost faithlessness to arrive at the desperate need um, to work within. Um, and so over over our years of experience in Lexington, lots of work on the edges and the margins with people with addiction, homelessness, and especially working with refugee resettlement, um, that's where you can really find the end of yourself. Um, and if you don't have that inner, inner peace and inner resolve, that's where you collapse in. And that's what's happened in my life um, in a, a couple of different Times in the last 15 years, um, and it was at those times where I had to really look, almost at the peeled back layers that these experiences of fatigue and exhaustion exposed in me, and what I wasn't willing to look at, and 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 what I found was I I was unable um, to receive myself, which is just the most basic fundamental journey I think of maturing and becoming an adult and becoming a flourishing human being for the sake of God's purposes, um, really unable to receive myself, and by that, unable to receive the gifts God had given me. Um, So I struggled, you know, in my 30s, you know, and I'm now 46, I struggled to have any form of love for myself, um, to celebrate who God made me to be, much less act out of the gifts and the strengths. Um, that God put in me to just join in the work of reconciliation in the world. Um, and so I had to do a lot of work and it didn't happen instantly and it's not fully done, um, but years and years and years of grace um, and mercy and gentleness from God and from others who surrounded me at the right times to help me um, let go of self-hate, let go of resentment, let go of compartmentalization that I could divide out the way I treated my body with the way I acted in the world or served other people. Um, And my journey has been slow and it's not complete, but what I would share with you this morning is that I have experienced the journey from a real separation of self um, to an acceptance. And so for me, if, if you follow Enneagram, for me, that journey towards wholeness involved discovering inner authority as a six. So everybody's journey is different depending on your disposition but for me, um, through reading Richard Rohr, discovering that the Spirit's been given to us as a gift, and the Spirit is with us. And, and because I couldn't make decisions, and I de- was desperate to find a, an authority outside of me to make everything OK, um, I never turned to that inner authority of finding God's Spirit within me. Um, and so that was a part of my healing, was to discover that within me, I can find um, the discernment, the voice, the leading of God, um, and that I can abide within with peace. Um, another part of my acceptance came through um, understanding, and this is um, uh, from uh, Cam now, that I am already the beloved. You know, maybe you should say that to yourself every day. I've been doing that in the last few months. I am already the beloved. How different will I be in the world when I say I'm already beloved. I am you. You are already mine. Um, and then John O'Donohue, if any of you know John O'Donohue's writing, Beautiful Mystic, he says, to be born is to be chosen. So I struggle because I wasn't planned. And I didn't know that until I was an adult and going through counseling, that that was a huge primal ache in me, that I was not planned. And I really believe that I was not intended for this world, even though my parents loved me. So I had to come to terms with that. When I came across John O'Donoghue's wisdom that said, to be born is to be chosen. And that is not a statement of Reformed theology, please. (laughs) That is to say that if you are born, and this is not just for human creation, all of creation is to have already been dreamt up and chosen by God. And you have to claim that. And finally, what I'm learning is I've accepted myself and rested within and stopped the struggle and the internal debate um, that I have found my creative self. Which, if we're made in the image of a creator, then we should radiate that, that that we are invited in to a seat as co-creator. It's a really amazing thing when you say, I am co-creator with God in the world somehow. That means we can be generative human beings and we can get on with the work of repair. So tackling my deeply anxious nature, which I'm still terribly anxious, and, and even the resentment of myself to experience the mystery of God's handiwork within me, that I was born out of good, that I was made for good, that I was meant to be a blessing and to live as gift. That's been my journey. Now, the work, I would say, the work of belonging to yourself, which is what we're focusing on this morning, requires that you make space. However you need to do that, you have to make space. Um, Space within, space around you, because God is a God that creates space, and God works in that space that gets created. And if we keep everything crowded and cluttered and chaotic, that's not space. God works by creating space and then transforming space. This work um, requires that we receive emptiness as natural and good. I think we don't like empty. I don't think we like space on our calendars or in our diaries. I don't think we like when there's nothing to look at so then we look at our phones for five minutes because we're standing alone. We don't like emptiness. Emptiness is so beautiful and so natural and so good. It's like sleep or dormancy. If you're a gardener, you know that things have to go dormant to produce fruit. Emptiness is beautiful in Christ. You know, we get that in um, Philippians. Full emptiness, the complete emptiness, so that Christ would be filled to the fullness with God's purpose and, and um, resurrection power. So you can try to deny emptiness, but it's not gonna do you much good. So try to receive emptiness. And this work of belonging to yourself requires that you do not hide these inner spots from God. God's gentle and God waits, but God will peel that back. So don't hide the spots, whatever they are, from your parents, from your family, from your childhood, from recent really deep injury. Don't hide those things because by exposing them, you move towards wholeness. The, the work of belonging to yourself, which it took me a long time to figure out because I was too busy doing what seemed to be a lot of good in the world, and, and I was doing that out of a really illegitimate space. The work requires self-care, and self-care is not selfishness. Self-care is responsible, and it is required. You have to prioritize life-giving choices. You know what gives you life and if you don't, please start thinking about it. Please make a note of three things that you feel most alive when you're doing them. And please do them every week, every day, for the sake of other people around you. Immerse yourself in what makes you feel alive, because guess what, that's exactly what God would have for us. It was put there for a reason, whether that's dancing or reading or gardening or cooking for friends or singing. Choose things that are life-giving. Um, And you've got to live in the present. And that's why we started this session with breath. Because when you really breathe and you don't let your mind control that moment, you actually experience what it means to be alive. And this is the only moment you have, is the present. I mean, the past is now gone, and the future doesn't exist yet, so quit worrying about it. We have this moment that we are fully alive in and present to God. Um, Mindfulness and prayer, meditation, um, yoga, there are, there are um, embodied practices to do, things that you do with your body to experience wholeness. Find that and do that. Um, and as we do these things and we arrive at our creative self, we find that there's so much possibility and that it's so good to be fully alive and human. And at the end of um, Wendell Berry's essay, um, I've read it so many times, but I discovered this really for the first time because I put this framework of thinking of coming from separate parts to being living souls. This is what he says about being a creative self. If we believe we are living souls, God's dust and God's breath, acting our parts among other creatures, all made of the same dust and breath as ourselves, And if we understand that we are free within obvious limits of mortal human life, free to do good or evil to ourselves and to other creatures, then all our acts have supreme significance. If it is true that we are living souls and morally free, then all of us are artists, all of us are makers, within mortal terms and limits of our lives, of one another's lives, and of the things we need and use. All of us are artists. So finally, I would say that um, giving ourselves over to God's repair so we can be repairers in the world, this work takes a lifetime. It requires courage, and it requires perseverance. It's a partnership, and that's to say that God is with us in all of it, And it takes, God doesn't force, it takes the dance of of yourself and God to accomplish inner transformation. It's a journey from fear to courage, and I know this journey well because my whole life is wrapped with fear. Um, And overcoming that is just a simple shift. It's not really simple, but the other day I'm reading this book Um, kind of a wacky offbeat book, but this woman claims that there are miracles everywhere because a miracle is simply a shift from, it's just our shift in perception from fear to love. So we can enact miracles all the time if we want to. We just move from our place of fear into a place of love. And our inner work creates a space for us to belong to God's dreams for our lives. And so we pray this for you. We pray. We know it's already happening because because God does this in us as we are drawn into the work of the world. Those things are always happening, and we know that God is working in you to more fully belong to those dreams. Um, we're going to close with a um, with another um, meditation. So you don't have to close your eyes. But if you enjoyed the stillness of your own breath and the miracle of of inspiration. Oh, yeah, and then we'll take questions if we have time. Um, so again, relax again and listen. Um, no. First this God created the heavens and the earth, all you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. The earth was an inky blackness.
2: Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to summon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and breathlessly panting, told them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. They did not yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. The disciples left the tomb and returned to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb, weeping. Early on the first day of the week, it was still dark.
1: And then this, on the first day of the week, God spoke light. Second day, God spoke sky. Third day God spoke, separate water from water and you earth green up and bear fruit. Fourth day God spoke, lights in the sky to measure the morning, the afternoon and the night and bring forth seasons to measure the days and years. Fifth day God spoke, fish to fill the oceans, birds to fill the sky. Sixth day God spoke, come into Come into life, animals of all kinds, bugs and reptiles, cows and caterpillars. God looked over everything he had made and it was so good, so very good. God spoke and called creation good.
2: But Mary, she stood outside the tomb weeping. Jesus spoke to her. Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking he was the gardener, said, Mister, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus spoke, Mary. Turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabboni, meaning teacher. Jesus said, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to the disciples. I've seen the Lord. And she told them everything Jesus had said to her. And Mary went, telling the good news. The first missionary
1: the time God made earth and heaven, God formed man out of the dirt from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man came alive, a living person, dirt and nostrils, God's breath and life.
2: When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the disciples had gathered together. They had locked all the doors of the house because they were fearful of Jews. Jesus entered. He stood among them, and he said, Peace to you. Then he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples, seeing the Lord with their own eyes, were exuberant. Jesus repeated his greeting, Shalom, peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. Then he took a deep breath and he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. It was the first day of the week. New creation. We,
1: um, I don't know if anybody any reflections or wants to share anything. We try to finish early so we can talk or you just get 10 minutes to have a cup of tea or something um, before everybody else gets down there.
3: to to, to connect in with that
1: calls it blasphemy. What we've done with the story we tell, how we treat ourselves, and then how we go on to treat the rest of creation. And he was speaking to a state where we're blowing off the top of mountains to get cold. And Christians are behind it because God will level the mountains. I mean, this is the most horrendous kind of blasphemy. But if you are a Trinitarian, if you hold to Trinitarian theology and understanding of God as an eternal loving relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit, we're born out of love an eternal, always good love. There is no other way to start. And all of creation is marked. If you're a gardener, you'll see three in everything. If you look for three, you'll see it all over botany. It's good. And then what we start with, we do. And so if we trust the goodness of God in the world and within us that we are worthy, it changes everything about what we do and how we live. that
3: we're worthy co-create with God. Absolutely. And you enter into that invitation.
1: Absolutely. And we claim our identity, which is artist, co-creator, generative person that does good. Mm. And then there's infinite ways that happens.
2: And I, and I think our experience too as <clears throat> as we come through our own dysfunction and, and a lot of a lot of the beauty of the gathering like this is to remember our activism and how important it is to fight evil and sin and corruption in the world. But we fixate on that instead of saying I, I can also frame that in terms of joining God in the goodness of what's happening in the world. And I think for me that was a big shift personally. That I think I, and I, I think you know God uses use my hubris and arrogance and kind of like everything sucks. Let's fix it. Um, and and eventually though I feel like a much better place and much place with much more gravity and steadiness and sustainability is a place of what's God doing or what's beautiful let me join with that and that can be a, 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 as Shane says a protestifying kind of thing or it can be you know it can be starting something it can be you know initiating a new a new growth so I just that for me was a really a big shift it was I, receiving the goodness and then recognising well that's what God's inviting us into it's not always an over and against or an oppositional statement Out, coming across as like a um, kind of really needy person or um, or someone who's seeking for like the solution just to just to say hey I'm currently working through this issue
1: and, uh, and I just need you to be like how does that sort of play out
0: Because I haven't seen that model yeah. in a healthy way yeah. mm-hmm. like it's always this very extreme uh, desperate pride, help somebody's gone past the point. Um, and I was wondering you had any thoughts
1: that? Well, I mean, I think if you recognize it in someone else, um, you need to act in ways that model God's grace and gentleness for the care of that person. I think you need to, you know, if someone in your midst is experiencing, either things have surfaced, and there's, a, there's a, just a sense of mourning and loss about something, or there's just utter fatigue, um, or reaching kind of the end of the immature self and the, all the feelings of that. I think people need the space, uh, you know, to, to heal and to respond and whatever those resources are. And they're so different, for, because we're all so different, we have such different needs and personalities. Um, and within yourself, I mean, part of what helps me is to, to preconceived that, I mean, you can change your thinking, that's why the shift of perception really is miraculous, that if we can understand that we're meant to belong to the world around us, we're not in opposition to it, or we're not alien from it. You know, alienation is a is a, a profound fundamental journey of humanity, I mean, through the scriptures and just people experiencing alienation into welcome and belonging. Um, you know, if we can frame the world in that we're meant to belong to each other. Um, of course, we're not meant to belong to uh, dysfunctional circumstances. You know, and, and that ha- you know, you have to act as advocate on your for yourself or for others to change circumstances that are dysfunctional. Um, I don't know if that that doesn't really answer your question. Um, I, I think I think
2: we, we've um,
1: it depends about if you're, you know your proximity
2: to that person because we've managed to. Um, um, be together and work out a way to make a life together, it's quite, you know, marriage is a really difficult thing, um, but friendships that are also intimate and difficult, um, you can say things like, you need to do your work like, it's okay to say that, I think and, and you know, I, you know, I'd say I'm with you, and, and also remind one another that, that God wills for the maturity of everything, that you that your maturity is actually a very natural thing for all of us, all of us need to grow up, and every seedling grows up and it, you know everything grows up, so it, that's good. You know you don't have to like force it. <laughs> if you allow that, it'll happen. And that, um, and that, uh, when you come into a situation that is dysfunctional like that, I think that can be so complicated and so um, multiplex. So it can be organisational or institutional through a church or group or organisation. It can be rooted in parental stuff and family situations. So. Um, All I've said is that that was a good question. I don't know the answer. (laughs) But do your work was good for me. I mean, this is always, you know, every, what do they say? Proclamation is always testimony. Every time we say something or anyone says anything, it's from their own life. So I'll say, for me, right at the point when I needed to hear it multiple times in my early 20s, someone said, do your work. Do your own work. Go away and do your own work. Because I always thought community, 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 it's all, everyone's going to come to me. at some point, you do have to do your own work, and that's good. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you're alone or alienated, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't mean it's personal. But it doesn't mean it's private, but it is personal.
1: And I, I would say that we we have to we have to um, pay attention to our frameworks, and we need to always have a framework of abundance. And what I mean by that is we're not always going to experience plenty, but in times of distress and difficulty and growth and strain, we have to know that where we end, the infinite spirit of God begins, and we have access to what we need to respond to what we need to do. And if you have to say that to yourself, I do, because I, at my worst, fear and anxiety lead me to complete scarcity thinking. And I don't think we realize how often we think scarcity, because that's what capitalism does, that's what the world will say there's not enough, and there's bad, and there's threat, and there's this. What we have to claim is the people of God is there is enough, there is abundance, and God is with me. I have every resource to respond to this next thing. Because there's always going to be the next thing. <laughs> you come over a hill of kind of maturity and, and sense of freedom, and then there's the next thing to address. And that's not to, for it to be depressing. Um, so we always, have a, we always have what we need.
4: I reckon that's really... because I've been sitting here thinking about um, two things. First of all, to make space involves pushing back, which can feel like standing away from or creating alienation, when in actual fact it probably is more helpful to think of it in terms of pause. You know, we don't need to rush here. There's time to do the work and it'll still be here for us to do when it's done. So that comes out of that plenty that you just said then. Mm. Because good is possible, because we're cooperating with the goal who is at work reconciling, we don't have to rush, we don't have to do it all today, Achieving it all today. Um, and this thing not actually getting off the ground or this thing going slower than we hoped is not necessarily all bad It's hard to hold, isn't it? Mm. And I was thinking about how the leader, you do that. I'm competent. You're broken. You need my help. Yes, thin, all the time, and then you go and do your broken thing somewhere else, and then you come back to do the next. You know what I mean? Yeah. Else really yeah. That idea, and and actually to do the brokenness alongside and with and right in the midst of it, and you know to be sorry at the time to apologise to teenagers that you're working with. It takes, I think what you said today is really helpful because it takes having that really big hopeful spirit in the centre of you to be bothered to do any of that, otherwise you do revert to, I know what's best, we're going to do this, do it now or get out
1: of this side. Mm. Yeah, it's centered. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to start our day with you. Bless you. Remember your brand. It's with you all the time.